Today on the podcast, we've got Josh Wellborn, who's the National Youth Director for the Assemblies of God, talking about networking and team building. Check it out. All right, welcome everybody to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. And my name is David. We're so glad you're with us today. We are honored. We've got a special guest to talk uh, leadership with us. Josh Wellborn is in the house. And uh, Josh serves as the National Youth Director for the Assemblies of God. Uh, Josh, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We're, uh, we're honored to have you. We're glad you're with us. And for uh, some of the listeners who maybe aren't sure of uh, your journey and um, who you are, how, how you serve, give us a little bit of detail. How did you get to uh, be the National Youth Director for the Assemblies of God, and what does that job mean or look like? Well, I applied for the internship under Dr. Wood, and that application just went straight up to the National Youth Department. <laughs> That's just called kidding. favor. That's called favor right there. No. no. Favorless labor. <laughs> I, I've had a crazy journey. I, I didn't even become a youth pastor until the age of 26. I, I was a volunteer youth leader with Pastor Scotty Gibbons uh, for a couple of years, and uh, I knew that I had been called into the into to youth ministry to be a youth pastor specifically, but I found myself working in broadcasting, and just I, I think a lot of people end up, particularly in their early 20s, they end up in, in a career path or a career trajectory that uh, things are just happening and there's momentum and, but they know that it's not really what the Lord's called them to. So for me, I had a big course correct moment, uh, as a volunteer leader, when Scotty just looked at me and said, um, are you called to be a full-time youth pastor? And I was trying to say no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my little broadcasting career was moving along and had a few little wins in my pocket uh, hosting a radio show and, uh, and a local cable access TV show, if anybody remembers what that is. And, but my, my mouth would only say yes. Uh, and so at the age of 24, uh, I, I started interning with, with Scotty at a local assembly of God youth group. And, um, from there met my wife, um, ended up going with one of the associates from that church to be a full-time youth pastor in Seattle, Washington, was there for a couple of years. And when the Lord put us in transition, um, I sent my resume to a few people that I thought knew me well enough to know if I'd be a good fit. Because uh, I think I think in a little bit we're going to talk about networking. And, and for me, finding the right people, the right fit is so, so, so important. And uh, just a little church in Michigan got a hold of my resume. The pastor called me. Um, and there were just some there were just some aha moments relationally with with he and I that that it was it was just a, a clear and direct calling to go serve that pastor in in Fenton, Michigan, which is just just outside of Flint, Michigan. And we went there for we ended up serving there for six years. And it was in the 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 depths of the the Great Recession, which hit Flint, Michigan, really, really hard. Um, lots of people leaving the area. Uh, and then, you know, it was only later that we found out the water was poisoned too. But, <laughs> I mean, even, even before that, before there was a Netflix documentary on Flint, like people were hurting there. And, and, and again, when the economy got bad, it really hit Flint, maybe the worst, uh, maybe even worse than Detroit or, or places like, you know, um, Camden to New Jersey out by you guys. Uh, I mean, it was just bad. 
And, and we ended up transitioning in the midst of that. We had three full-time youth pastors and, and somebody had to go. And so my wife and I just took that, took that leap of faith and just going without knowing, we, we announced to the congregation that we were leaving and would they please pray for us. And then about four days later, uh, a youth pastor uh, in Michigan, who was he? He was at the big church, you know. He was the he was the guy that, as a as a youth pastor in a smaller community, I would always run up to him and be like, "Hey, what are you doing for your dating series? Hey, how do you how do you train your leaders? You know, I wanted to be like him. What books are you reading?" Uh, he he called me up and was like, "Hey, I heard you're I heard you're looking for a new place to serve," and and he invited us to come on staff uh, at his church. That was Mount Hope Church in Lansing, Michigan, and uh, it was a larger larger church. And then he became the lead pastor, and we served as youth pastors there for another six years. And then the district office called us and said, hey, we, we need someone who knows how to build relationships. Uh, literally, that was kind of the tipping point for me because I was, I was a hardcore, heels dug in, local youth ministry guy. And I'd even, I'd even said things to my wife because at the age of 40, when you're a youth pastor and you're stacking chairs after youth service and you're, you're taking kids home after youth service, you're just going, man, I'm going to, I'm in this for life, you know, and at 40, it starts looking like it is life, but there was one phrase that would, that would, that would release my white knuckle grip on local youth ministry. And it was, Josh, we need someone that can, that can build relationships from the district office. And that was, that was, that was sort of the secret phrase that, that only the Holy Spirit, my wife, myself, and, and that district superintendent knew. And so um, in 2015, we went to the district office in Michigan and just focused on building teams, focused on relationship. Uh, my predecessor, Jeff Kennedy, had put some amazing, amazing systems in place. So as a new leader, I, I kept telling people, hey, I'm not here to change things. I'm here to build relationships. I'm not here to change things. I'm not trying to put a dent in this, you know, in this district or, or anything. I'm just, I'm just here to build relationships. And so I, um, so for, for two and a half years, we served in the Michigan district office. And then um, about six months ago, uh, Doug Clay called us from Springfield and uh, a very, very similar conversation. We need someone that can build relationships. And this time it's, it's with uh, youth pastors and district youth directors across the country. And, and uh here we are. <laughs> so hopefully that didn't take too much time. No, man, that's great. So would you, um, how would you describe the role that you serve in now as national youth director? Well, I'm still sorting that out every day, uh, <laughs> <laughs> learning new things every day, but my heart, I can tell you my heart, my heart for this role, uh, would be that, that myself, the other people who work in this office, uh, particularly the directors, Tom Grove and, and our National Suite of Light Director, Eric Hoffman, that we would just hear a national battle cry from the Holy Spirit that we can share with the country that we can all rally around for the sake of reaching the lost, for the sake of building up leaders, and for the sake of facilitating world missions, uh, both here and abroad. And so, so uh, the role... I'm in my heart. That's what it is. There's day to day stuff that's new to me, David uh, and and Jared. There's there's day to day stuff that, as I'm sure you guys have discovered in your new roles, that you're just like, what? I have to do that too. Like mm -hmm. that happens on a pretty much daily basis. I discover something that's like, what? No. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> do that too. Um, but but my heart would be to. Uh, and, and again, same as on the district level, on the national level, 
you know, my predecessor, Heath Adamson, has some amazing stuff in motion. For instance, the Until All Know theme that we've stuck with for uh, Speed the Light and for our National Youth Convention is potent and powerful. So we're hanging on to that. We're not we're not going to change that. So this year in Houston uh, for National Youth Convention, the plan is to uh, keep keep challenging students to spread the gospel until all know to to uh, to grow in their intimacy with the father through knowing him for the and then allowing that to be something that uh, bubbles over to share with others until all know um, our discipleship efforts as I'm right now I'm sitting in the National Youth Department I got Eric on one side I got Tom on the other side and to my to my left is is Tom Grote and he's in there preparing the best discipleship strategies uh, or at least we believe they are the the kingdom inspired kingdom imparted discipleship strategies and he's got words on his uh, brains brainstorming boards like gospel centered spirit empowered personally responsible uh, how do we how do we how do we raise up a generation of students that are gospel centered, you know, not compromising uh, the words of Jesus or the words of Scripture? Uh, how do we raise up a generation that are spirit empowered? They they don't just know the word of God. They've experienced the father. Uh, how do we how do we raise up a generation that's personally responsible, that will take up the mantle of leadership and, and take the gospel to all nations until all know? So. So these are the things that that are circulating here in my office, and those are, you know, so when you say, what's your role there? These are the things that describe it, and I would say uh, for us to be able to have the honor of of ringing that bell from this office to the nation is, is uh it's very real. And it's, it's what I, you know, when I spend time with the Lord, when I, when I pray, when I, when I find as Louis Giglio calls it, the position of potential, which if you've never heard him talk about that, he, he gets down on his knees and he says, this is your, this is your posture of potential, you know, on your face before the Lord. It's a posture of humility. And we have to find that posture of humility. And when we do that, it becomes our posture of potential. Um, so that's what I'm doing every day. And, uh, and there's a lot of moving parts, and, and God's put a, a really cool team here together to um, facilitate an engine that will raise up a generation. Man, well, we are excited to hear your heart, and um, I guess we didn't mention this earlier, that you really are new to this position, been in for a few months, and learning and growing, and we're praying for you, Josh, and excited to see um the team that God has put together to serve uh, young people and the leaders of young people in the Assemblies of God. And as we're talking about uh, those who are leading our young people and, and our volunteer youth workers, over 80% of our local churches and part-time and full-time and all different types of leaders, uh, I know it's a passion of yours um, to bring them together, to resource them, but also to create a community where um, they can be known and learn and grow. I know one of your passions is just the idea that we're better together. And it's kind of what we want to spend our time on this episode talking to you about is um, you're a natural networker. You and I had the opportunity to work as peers for a couple of years as DYDs. And so I know you a little bit. I've seen you in a room. I, I know what your energy is like and your ability to connect with people. Um, share with us a little bit about um, just your value of the idea that we're better together and how that sort of fleshed itself out in your ministry so far. Well, David, you're you're a great example. You're, our relationship is a great example of that because before I was a district youth director, um, different friends of mine, uh, one of them was even my dad, but but at least three different people sent me the videos that you would send 
to your to your youth pastors in the New York district. And so I had seen you, I had heard your heart, and even though you didn't know you were talking to a youth pastor in Michigan, you were building up a youth pastor at Mount Hope Church in Lansing, Michigan, without even knowing it, because someone cared enough about me to say, hey, here's another cool resource. Here's what a DYD in, in New York's doing. You should watch this video. And so I would watch, you know, I, I remember there were at least two videos of yours that I watched. So when I became a district youth director, I saw you. I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> and and he's and and, th- and then there were people identified things about you that were your strengths. And so when I talked, they said, it, and not to, I know, I'm not trying to make you blush. Don't puff but, him uh, up. Don't no, puff him go up. Ahead, go much, on, go please. on, go on. Take your time. Right, right. They're like, man, he's really smart. He understands he understands systems and process. And so I so I don't know if you remember, but when I first met you face to face in Orlando um, at National Youth Convention, I was I was fishing for systems. I was fishing for process because I was a brand new district youth director. And that was something that I needed to understand on a district level. So I was fishing for that from you. Um, that's, that's a very practical example. Like I needed something, here's a guy who has it and I want to benefit from it. Now, now if I, if that's all it is, then shame on me, shame on me for, for just trying to exploit other people's talents and abilities. But then I look at scripture and I see words like body of Christ. And I see words like we each have our own function and each of us has a different gift, uh, that we've been baptized into one spirit. And so, um, and even even I think about like Galatians where it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. It's like, wait, the Lord wants us to do good things for each other. Like he wants us to help each other, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. And so on one hand, in, in a very secular sense, I think when the world talks about networking, it's sort of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But in the body of Christ, it's let's let's function as one one body let's help each other let's honor one each let's honor one another and let's even do what they did in acts chapter 2 where they devoted themselves to the to the to the apostles teaching uh and to fellowship and then of course the breaking of bread and prayer but but fellowship was one of those things and so we're encouraging one another and i would go so far as to say this ministry can be a lonely place yeah as as a youth pastor as a as a lead pastor as a district youth director it can be a lonely place so we need that fellowship we need to encourage one another and i even love i i love that um you know when we talk about the body of christ and i'd I'd have to spend a minute looking up this verse but i think of the the verse where it says that the lord gives greater honor or, or i'm sorry gives a special honor to the to the parts of the body that are that are less notable that are less recognized mm-hmm and so this constant reminder that that if you're not being honored among men, well, the Lord has a special honor for you. So I could go on, but but again, just the body of Christ working together, functioning like let's make ministry a joy. Let's make it the, the most fun thing that we get to do because we're doing something that leads us to, at least for those of us that are called to leadership, this is where we find our abundant life. Yeah, that's so good, uh, Josh, and I appreciate you uh, really building up David, and um, I'm going to have to deal with that for the next several days as he's (laughs) reminding me of how smart he is and good at systems he is. But um, in all seriousness, like um, I fought this tension for a long time when I thought about networking is I I would look at guys and girls who 
were kind of the, in my mind at least, the classic networkers. And to me, um, it felt like at times self-serving and schmoozing, and yeah. and I was like, man, I don't, I, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't have any part of that. And so, um, I, I've. I've since I since feel differently because I've seen um, there's been moments in my life where um, I, I was networking but I didn't realize it and then all of a sudden things arose and questions arose and and all of a sudden I had people to call and to contact and reach out to but what would you say to um, to, to leaders who are kind of wrestling with that idea of networking of like well I don't want to be a schmoozer I don't want to be that guy right. who's just looking out for himself yeah and and I would say I, I struggle with I, I, particularly my early years in ministry, I resented the schmoozy guys. Um, and as a teenager, my, my parents were in ministry, so I was hanging around, you know, ministry people my whole life. And as a teenager, my best friend and I printed business cards uh, just so we could make fun of the guys who were schmoozing. Like we would, we would pass out business cards, just imitating them and, and really kind of mocking them in, in a way that Christian teenagers do, not, not in a not in a vicious way. So here's the distinguishing factor, I would say, Jared, and and this will this this has served me so so well. The distinguishing factor between the guy who is schmoozing and the guy who is trying to get all that God has for him and give all that God has for him to give is that you make your networking about building others up. Who needs to be encouraged by you? Who needs to be who who needs a friend? Who needs what you, you have a genius that someone else has to give, or I'm sorry, that someone else needs rather, and they have a genius that they want to give to you. I'll say that one more time because I botched it up a little bit, but you have a genius that God has put in you, not just you, Jared, but every youth pastor, every pastor, every, uh, every student, we, we're all given some kind of genius and, and someone else needs that genius. And, and of course, if you just rest there, it can become arrogant, but Again, within the body of Christ, we all have a function. Let's go. Let's like let's be generous with that function. Let's be generous with what God's given us. Uh, and when you make your networking about serving the needs of others, then you've just sidestepped the whole schmoozy trap that some people fall into. And again, I I think I think it's more in the secular realm. You know, I think of you know not not to not, not the, the, that there aren't good uh, Christian salespeople out there because there are. Uh, but I think of the the sleazy car salesman or the sleazy real estate agent who's just or the sleazy, you know, ambulance chasing lawyer. They're just trying to network to make another buck. Yeah. But in the body of Christ, it's different. It's like, no, I'm trying to network to build others up. And you'll find in the kingdom, the more you give, the more you receive. Now, we don't give just to receive, but that's just the way it works. It's a it's the principle of the harvest when we sow seed relationally through encouragement, through offering resources to someone who might need them. We receive those things back and it's cyclical and that's the way it's supposed to work. So yeah. so for the person who's concerned about being the schmoozy sleazy, just trying to, you know, particularly youth pastors and, and, and youth pastors like we, we can be, let's like let's be real with each other. Sometimes we all get in the room together and we're trying to outcool each other. But what if we were to try and outserve each other, right? Yeah. What if we were to try and out, uh, you know, trying to? What if we were trying to be the one who gives the most and, and takes the least amount of recognition? So, well, I love what you, the example you gave too about when you met David, because I think there's a, there is an authentic way um, to network, and it's it's I think it's really based out of humility and a wanting to learn from people, you know. Yes. And so 
when you walk into a room of people, you're like, yeah, I wonder what I could learn from these people. So I'm going to have conversation, not because I want to tell them how awesome I am, but like your example of David, um, you're, you're learning things, you're, you're spending time with people. And then all of a sudden, two, three years down the road, something comes up and you're like, oh, I'm actually connected to that person. Um, right. and, and so I think that's great. Hey, Josh, let's, let's uh, just drill in a little bit more into the local church level on this conversation. And when we think of uh, leaders in the local church who I think everybody probably agrees at this point that um, we need to work in teams, uh, we need to serve together to accomplish the mission. Um, when you're looking around for those who you might invite to be a part of the team or when you're putting the team together, or even if you uh, sort of many times a new leader will inherit a team. You've inherited some people, I'm sure. Um, yeah. my, my first question is this. Before we look at them, talk to me a little bit about the role that self-awareness plays in being a good team leader, team builder, team player. I, well, you know, Jared just commented on this, but, you know, humility is huge. Um, and we have to have the humility to realize that we can't do it all. Uh, we have to be humble enough to realize that we can't really, you know, part, one of my problems for years, especially when I started getting paid to be a youth pastor, oh my goodness. Like, I felt like I had to do everything hmm. because at the end of the month, I'm the one getting the paycheck. So I better do this. I better do that. I better do this. You know, when there were very capable people around me who not only were willing to serve, they, they wanted to, they found fulfillment in serving. They were, they were, you know, stepping into their abundant life as I gave them a slice of the ministry. So finding, humbling ourselves to the point where we realize that we need help and we need others to come in and serve uh, is I would say step one. And, and then just along with that, and I'm, I'm not looking at notes right now, but I think there's three, three times in the new Testament. It's almost the exact same verse. Just humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Cause I think there's also the insecurity of man, nobody would want to follow me or I'm not cool enough. I'm not, I'm not hip enough. I'm not a good enough preacher. I don't, you know, I didn't go to Bible college, whatever your thing is, you know, if, if, if you would find that posture of humility and then pray and ask God to send people, you'd be amazed at what would happen. Um, I've, I've forgotten what your question was. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's really, that's good. I love, you know what? I love what you're saying about humility being the solution, both to, our propensity to think too highly of ourselves and think I can do all this or I should do all this, which prevents us from being uh, those who will delegate tasks, responsibility, uh, and authority to others based on their gift and skills. Uh, But also humility, and a lot of times people I don't think realize this, is what I heard you say, is that humility is also a solution to self-pity. The idea that <laughs> no nobody would want to follow me and nobody would want to be in my team. And the famous C.S. Lewis quote that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less is so applicable mm-hmm. in this context because we can sort of say, well, nobody would want to do that. And what we're really saying is I don't want to do that. And everybody's just like me. So there's no way anybody's going to find any energy in wow. being a part of the team in that capacity. And it's really a self-absorption that keeps us from seeing others. So I, that's exactly what I was was 
uh, not, I don't want to say hoping to hear, but what I was very interested in getting your input on. Um, some, some thoughts maybe from you is just as far as how do you encourage your team? How do you keep them on task? How do you keep the vision in front of them? Well, I'm in a new setting now, and so I'm learning that. Uh, you introduced me as being someone who's relational. That's kind of the, the reputation that, that um, I've, you know, I've, I've, I hope I've earned it. I hope that I am relational. I hope I, I mean, I, I think I care about people, so I hope that's what people see. And so I'm with a whole group of people now. There's, there's people that work in this office that I want them to feel appreciated. I want them to feel valued. Uh, I heard a great quote from Craig Rochelle recently on his leadership podcast, and he said, if you've got people on your team and, and speaking to showing appreciation to them, he said, build them up and encourage them more than you think they need it, and then double that. And so, so I think, I think when it comes to the people around us and on our team, I think what he's trying to say is there doesn't come a point where you've done it enough, like just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And then when you think you've done it enough, double that. So, so I'm trying to do that. Uh, I think, I think the whole love languages, uh, philosophy, there's, there's a lot of merit to that. So figuring out how people, um, how people feel love by watching closely to see how they demonstrate love, how they demonstrate think, caring about others, and then try and try and give that back to them in a language that they can uh, understand and translate into you caring about them. Um, my, my, I had an assistant youth pastor in Lansing, Michigan, and his name is Johnny. And Johnny was the best at just getting excited when he saw people. Um, to the point where it took me a couple of times interacting with him to figure out he was sincere. <laughs> and so for the people that I'm with every day, man, I, that's just getting excited when you see them just coming unglued, you know, the same way you do with, as if you're a youth pastor, you need to be doing that for students. And if you're doing it for your students, do it for your adult leadership team as well. When they when they come through, are you excited to see them or are you just acknowledging that? Well, my love language is whatever. Well, wait, wait a second. What is their love? What do they need to hear? What do they need to see? Um, so, so, so for me, I'm, I'm a words guy, David, I, I or, or Jared, I can't remember. I wasn't, sometimes your voices are hard to distinguish on this end. So I don't know if it was David or Jared that we, asked the question. We do that on purpose. <laughs> you're, you're one voice. Mine's the, man, um, mine's the manly sounding one. <laughs> I think Jared's is the better looking sounding voice. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly you're lacking in discernment. So for me, for me, I'm a words guy. You know, if somebody encourages me just a little bit, I will do whatever they ask. You know, I, I am, I am there to the, to the bitter end. If they'll just tell me I have a nice shirt and my hair looks pretty good that day, you know? So, um, so I, I easily give that stuff out. Uh, but, but I'm always kind of watching. You know, there somebody somebody brought donuts into the office the other day, and I'm like, ah, there's a gifts person. Hmm. So I need to remember, I need to remember to pick up a little little something for her, and it won't and it doesn't even take much. You know, hey, here's a keychain I got. I thought of you. Uh, things like that. So, man, that's great. That's great. Appreciate you um, giving us some of those insights and sharing that with us. We're gonna wrap this episode up. We're gonna have you back again the next episode and. We're going to shift the conversation a little bit to discipleship, specifically discipling the next generation. But we like to close out uh, our episodes with a little uh, portion called David's Eats. And um, maybe part of the reputation that you heard about me before you met me was my love for food. And He and likes to eat. I like to eat. And so He's we, a foodie. Yeah, we like to ask all our guests, what's the best thing you've eaten recently? 
I went down. Uh, so I know. I think you guys know John J. Wilson. He works down in Church, Church Multiplication Network. Yeah. Uh, he and I went to this new taco place in downtown Springfield, and I can't remember. You know, I said it was Tinga Taco, but it might be Tingo Taco. I can't remember. But my goodness, they were the best tacos, uh, the best American tacos I've ever had. <laughs> I mean, the best tacos I've ever had were definitely south of the border from a, a, a little 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 uh, street cart. But uh, as far as in the United States, particularly in the Midwest, Tingo Taco, best, best taco experience I've had. It's fun to say too, Tinga Taco. <laughs> Tinga Taco, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good, man. We're looking forward to to going there with you next time. David and I are both in Springfield together. Yeah, and you're let's free. Do it. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but yes, no, I'll make I'll make it, I'll make it a priority. Yeah, <laughs> top of the list. Well, hey, thanks, Josh, and thank you for listening. Um, we're we're thankful. This is the Multiply Podcast. Uh, be sure to listen to the next podcast. We're going to have Josh back on. He'll be talking about the uh, wrestling through the question, how do we disciple the next generation? Thanks so much.